You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Now, don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Well, let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Coming up, NFL football is back, and even better, it's opening week of the 2020 season. We'll take you inside and break down this week's top NFL matchups. We want to turn the mic around now and hear from you, our listeners. Have a question for me or Coach Martz that you would like answered on the next episode of Run It Again? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and for a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVay Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage, and every Thursday I release a brand new episode of First Match. It's your wrestling origin story podcast, and this week we welcome the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. And we go all the way back to the start, like the first time he ever saw wrestling. And I remember watching it, and it was bloody, and uh, it, I remember watching it going, is that legal? Can they do that? <laughs> You know, so it was it was it was really an intriguing thing to me. Don't miss Ken Shamrock on first match wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Run it again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run it again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. We watched a lot of TV this weekend, and I don't know, have you been watching any of the, the basketball playoffs? No. No? Okay. No. Well, you know, I'm not a, I, I don't watch a lot, but I, 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 watch, I watch enough to, when I'm talking to our executive producer, Roy Hamilton, to sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about, because he played in the NBA you know, big star at UCLA. So I, I got to know what I'm talking about. Well, right? and you've got like that experience in that eight foot bucket too. So that's that, right. That, that, I, that, I, I mean, yeah, we, we are, that's, that's given. That's a given. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, we, you know, we're watching the, the, the Lakers and the Rockets go at it. And, and of course the Rockets took game one and everybody got all excited and this and that and then Westbrook and Harden. Oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. Blah, 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 blah. And who knows? It still may, may be their year. We'll see. But I said to my boys, I said, listen, the Lakers are going to come back in game two and they're going to slap them in the face. I promise you. And they're ah, oh, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I said, okay, all right, you watch and see. And of course they did that. But in that discussion and every time the Lakers play, we end up talking about one particular guy, and his name is LeBron James. And not because he's won all the championships and all of that stuff. Everyone knows about that part of great basketball player, so on and so forth. But, you know, you know how they always say, oh, well, this NBA guy could play football. Or this guy could play football. And I, I think 99% <laughs> of them, I, when they say that to me, I say, hell no. Yeah. 
right. um, but if there's one guy, Mike, and I, and I want your thoughts on this, if there's one guy that I think could 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 you think could play in the NFL, I think it would be LeBron James. Just the be. way he moves, the way he he his acceleration. I see him do some things. I'm like, my gosh, that, that I would. I actually would like to see him on an NFL field. Maybe a tight end, maybe a rush end. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he'd be a, an outstanding prospect as a defensive end. But you know, the the biggest thing with him would be the collision part of the game. You have to embrace that. That's what you never right. know about basketball players playing that game. And yep. When Gonzalez came out, I remember watching McCall and, you know, the whole basketball thing. He was intriguing. Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. And he was such an athlete, and but he embraced it. You know, he went yeah. for it. He embraced it. And the collision part of the game he enjoyed, and, and you just have to. You know, that's the center point of football, period. If you don't like that, that collision, not contact, but the collision part of it, if that part of that game, if you don't like that, you're just not going to make it. And you don't know about that. No matter how gifted they are, until they get in there. Yeah. Okay. So, taking this one step forward, LeBron had a very interesting quote this past weekend, and I, I want you to, to listen to it. Here it is. It's kind of like uh, you know, in the early two thousands when the St. Louis Rams, uh, the greatest show on turf. And people always say how how do you scout them, scout them, and scout them, but until they got on the on the field. And they seen uh, Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and Marshall Falk and Az Hakeem and all those guys. And it was like, okay, we need we need to play them again because we there's no way you can simulate that speed. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, and I've, I've I've heard this before, and I've heard it from some pretty knowledgeable people, guys like John Madden, okay, who said. The one thing about playing the St. Louis Rams was that what you saw on tape wasn't necessarily what you were going to see on game day talking about the speed. You just couldn't prepare for that speed. And it's, it's, it's amazing in my mind, Mike, to all these years later to hear that guy, the, the king, LeBron James, go out of context to another sport and, 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 and make that comparison and he's talking about I think a little bit what the Rockets just went through you know the Rockets thought oh well the Lakers you know we know what they're going to do and game one went like this so game two is going to be like this no 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 this man knows how to turn up the speed and the intensity and and they weren't ready for it and he made the great point about your team back in the day and and when you guys were, were playing, it was just so much faster. It was a different speed than people could ever prepare for. You know, it's interesting that he had the the insight and the knowledge of, of that game or those games and that team uh, and use it in context like that. Uh, yes. Just kind of, you know, he's a sports nut. You know, he's a sport history guy, and the really great players I think are. They, they you know, they know those things, and – and to have that and to draw on it and draw that comparison is very flattering for those guys. But, um, you know, I think he's absolutely has that understanding that uh, the intensity and the speed throughout the game, you know, we, those teams that can maintain that, they're just hard to beat, you know. And I don't know if those four wide receivers were the fastest receiver group in the league. I don't know that. I do know this. They played faster than everybody else. Right. Yep. They they weren't the biggest. I don't know that you had a guy over six foot. 
No, they're five yeah. eleven, just a smidgen under six feet. Um, you know, Isaac ran a very average forty at the combine. Tory he did. did pretty I well. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, his. I think his combine time was like four five five. And uh, you know, of course, but you never seen me get caught, not in his prime anyway. And of course, Oz had that great acceleration and Ricky Prohl and. They just played faster. We just, but that's why we practiced. We practiced with that intensity. Practice was harder for the receivers in the games because we conditioned them that way. I, I tell you a story. I was talking to a, um, a guy in the front office in one of the NFL teams, and all this new data. You know, they have all these little things stuck in the helmets to tell you how fast guys run during practice and how far they run and all that stupid stuff. And so somebody in the front office suggested to this head coach that this receiver needs to uh, take fewer reps today because he, he ran too much the day before. I want you to think about that. You know how crazy that is? There's somebody who has no idea what it takes to begin with to play this game. And to say that he needs to take it out, it, that just, it just blows my mind. What we did is we, they worked so hard. They ran so hard two days out of the week. Wednesday and Thursday were brutal, brutal, brutal days for him. Just absolutely gashed him. And then Friday, uh, we backed off a little bit, but it was still a pretty good day. Then come Sunday now. But in the fourth quarter, those guys were as fast in the fourth quarter as they were in the, in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the scientific information uh, that's come at this league, all the, you know, all those new guys, all the – what do you call it uh, – the numbers, the, uh, an, the analytics. analytics. There you yeah. go. And all yeah. the analytics. Next, next gen, next gen stats. Well, let, let me tell you what you can do with next gen stats when we get off this uh, show here. Um, if you can't figure that stuff out as a coach, if you can't watch a tape and, and have a feel for how fast you guys are running or this, that, and the other, or have a feel. If I felt somebody was worn out, I just, I watched that. You, that's why they pay you. That's why they call you a coach. You say, all right, back him off uh, a couple of these drills. He just looks like he's worn out a little bit. Right. Or during the season, gave the guys a, a day off or so because the team was tired. You can see that you don't have to have analytics tell you that. Yeah. And then it has some guy who knows nothing about the game. Or First of all, where is he basing that on? You know, where you come from, some sort of study, someplace that the Russians did back in 1962 with their sprinters? Really? Come on. I, I don't know what's going on with the league anymore, but when you, when you have 30 coaches now on the staff, 25 analytic guys, you know, these owners got to look at their budget and say, what am I paying these guys for? That's a, good, that's a great point. That's a great point. You know, this past week, uh, the media world, the quote-unquote media world, was trying to figure out why Cam Newton didn't practice. And, you know, there was nothing on an injury report and and nothing disciplinary wise, blah, 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 blah. It was just a coach's decision. So to your point, maybe uh, uh, Bill Belichick felt like, hey, this is my guy. He's going to be my guy, but he's also coming in here and, and we've dumped the entire system on him. He's taken over for arguably one of the greatest players to play the game. Maybe he just felt like, Cam Newton needed a damn day off. How about I can, that? I can tell you what he did and why he did it. He's dude all time quarterbacks. You watch him, and when the when they had, get the what we used to call the rag arm, when that ball doesn't snap off his hand, and he's struggling to get that ball off because 
you throw so many balls during camp, it's ridiculous. Then you have to give them a day off. It goes back to baseball yeah. pitchers. We brought the uh, the Cardinal pitching uh, coaches in and the trainers, and we got a workout for our quarterback so they didn't get that fatigued arm. So they did the same thing pitchers do because they, you know, they throw the ball so much. You know, they got to have something. So they went into this band technology, with all these different exercises with bands to keep right. from getting what we call the rag arm. But you get your starter in there, and then he has to throw so many balls in seven-on-seven and team and one-on-one and da-da-da-da-da. You know, the the arm is going to get tired. you got to set him and ice him and let him recover. And you don't know that by somebody standing out there uh, with a number, you know, a calculator looking at it. No, you just look at him, and some guys get it sooner, some guys get it later. Um, but typically, I would pull Kurt, you know, about every fourth day, tell him, hey, you're not practicing today. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that, but again, to your point, that had nothing to do with analytics or a chip no. in the helmet. You had no. to see that and feel that. Yeah, and I think that's what Belichick's doing. I'm sure. I can promise you, it's about his arm. Yeah, you know, when, especially when you get to a certain age. Now, once you get on the other side of thirty, you really got to watch these guys. You really do. Uh, the guy, you know, and Brady probably <clears throat> his what he did with his arm and the bands and all that is really kind of where the rest of the league should be with their quarterbacks. I mean, he really uh, has worked hard throughout his career yeah. on avoiding that fatigue in that arm and what he does, all those things that he does. And it's kind of a cool thing that workout that he does with it, but it involves bands and all those things. Right. Right. Well, anyway, I thought you would like that little LeBron tidbit it, and to your point. That, that's what champions do. Yeah. This guy has knowledge not only of his sport, but he's looked at other sports. I, I bet you great commanders, great generals throughout you know, the history of, of, of the military and battles and wars, they, they not only study themselves, but I bet they know their opponent. Like they say, know your enemy. Know your enemy better than you know yourself. And that's, uh, that, speaks, that speaks volumes to, to what LeBron James has been able to do and, and, and what he can do out there in a sport totally unrelated to football. But you know what's interesting about that is he had the the insight to project it like coaches that played us. Yeah. You know, the and, and players that played us, what you see on tape, that's not how fast they actually play in person type of thing. And to have that perspective and that insight to it, um is pretty interesting to have that kind of knowledge or and make the comparison I thought was really really cool, but it, it's just, you know, that's his life. And uh, I, I think it was really says a lot, like you said, about who he is as a professional. Yep. Well, we're finally here, Mike. Somehow we, we made it to opening week of the NFL season. I, I didn't think it was ever going to happen, but we're, we're, we're here. It's upon us. And it's going to start off this coming Thursday night with the Texans taking on the Chiefs. That'll be a playoff rematch. And a couple pretty good quarterbacks, since we're talking quarterbacks and arms and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, Sean Watson taking on the man, Patrick Mahomes, fresh off a Super Bowl win. Uh, so we'll get to some other games here, but let, let's start off with this one. Like I said, this will be up first. What, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think that uh, Jacksonville is just not – good enough at this point to hold up against that Kansas City offense. You know, I, uh, excuse me, Houston. Yeah. I just yeah. I, I just don't think that they um, 
they have the back end capability. Uh, and the one thing Andy will do, they're really great coaches. I really believe that that first game is such a trendsetter for the rest of the season. It re- really can be. Uh, we used to gear up for that first game like it was a Super Bowl when we brought it all. And uh, I think it's so important to start off. I think Andy's kind of that way. Uh, I think he's got a great record and openers uh, looking back through the years. And I think they're going to go after it pretty good and, and make a statement that game for the players. You know, they want to come back. And I think it's really important to watch them in the intensity and how they play this opener. So there's, you know, they get rid of that, hey, the Super Bowl hangover kind of thing. So, and I just think Houston's just not, I just, they're just not good enough. Not, I think they went the other direction on defense in the offseason with their personnel and, you know, you got Kansas City's adding players to it, and uh, you know Houston has lost a couple. So it's, I think defensively, the problem that they had down there secondary, they didn't resolve that, and I think Kansas City will go to work on them. Yeah, Bill, Bill O'Brien, you know, he's got a little bit of a playoff problem. It's one thing to get to the playoffs; it's another thing to get out of the playoffs and get to the big dance, and that's that's easier said than done. Uh, he's got a quarterback, he's got a pass rusher on the other side, and and, and a couple couple pretty good players as a whole you know on that team period but as they say it, it's uh, it's not about what you have on paper it's 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 what you can do on the field and and that's going to be the challenge for them so we'll uh, we'll like look at that so no, no answer this here Mike how do you if it's, you've got a Thursday night game and I'm talking prep here Thursday night game to start the season. Okay, so you're playing a good three days before the rest of the season. So back yourself up. When does your prep week for the players, mentally and physically, really start if you've got a Thursday night game before the first weekend? Well, I would. what I would have done, and maybe Andy does this, I don't know, and I got this from Chuck Knox, but in an early game like that as a season opener, I would have started introducing some things for the, for the other team, and you know, really in the first week at camp, no matter what it is, yeah. whether and not even tell the players. You're looking at some plays that you know you want to use towards these guys, and you just kind of dust them off, and maybe it's something new. You start getting the stuff ready for the opener. And then, you know, last week sometime it had been hot and heavy for the opener, you know, and uh, almost a week and a half preparation for that opener. The, the blessing here is that you don't have preseason games to get in the way. Because a preseason game really throws you off for a couple of days because you kind of we're always trying to get ready for the opener, and then you have that preseason game that you still have to play, and it's almost a nuisance in the fourth game. So they don't have that to stumble around on. So they can go basically, I would imagine the last 10 days have been going pretty good for their first for their first game in terms of preparation, almost like a bowl game. How many preseason games do you need? Uh, I think you need <laughs> – I think you probably have to have two. Uh, I think it's pretty hard. Uh, I think three is okay. Four is ridiculous. There's no reason. There's no need to have four. And that, when I was on the competition committee, you know that was something I kept bringing up. And as soon as I did, then of course the ownership would say, "Yeah, we can replace that with a regular season game." Well, that was that's not the point. <laughs> you know, that's not the point. So of course you, you can ching yeah. ching. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Because the fourth, that fourth game, they, everybody lost money on that in the league. No, because nobody, it's always Labor Day. Nobody went to the game and, you know, it's, it was just, uh, nobody watched the game. So the fourth game was a push. So they just, 
I think that was on the way out anyway. But I think two is you, you really should have two. If you have three, I think that's fine. But you really do need two, I think. I, what I was most concerned about as a player, um, and, our, and our camps were different then. We went four to six weeks of two-a-days. It, it was for real men only. It, it, none of this stuff like they go through today. Okay, it was, it was At one point, it became survival. And what I was always most concerned about was, am I going to be fresh enough once the season starts for the opener? That's that at, at one, at, at a point in training camp, that's all I cared about. Okay. I've gotten my two uh, preseason games and maybe it's the third one where, you know, everyone plays a lot. Okay. I, after that third game, I'm ready to go. Now give me, give me my legs back. Let me get my legs back. Let me, you know, let's get in the one-a-days, as we used to say. It was heaven when we got went from two-a-days to one-a-days because the workload was off you. So that, that's, that was a big thing. You know, Ron, it's a different world today. I, I don't think they work as hard as they used to. You know, I, I think you're right, too. What we would do, or what I did anyway, was I was very careful about planning out you know, practice and when guys played and I'd put guys down during practice because they had, you know, they had, uh, they looked like they were getting kind of ragged Yeah. and, you know, Isaac, I'd say, Hey, I, you know, I want you to stay out of this. And now it was a battle with these guys because they're, they're so competitive. They didn't want to back off. And then they had a certain amount of pride with the rest of the guys in the team, but just didn't make any difference to me. You know, you're, you know, either that or we would cut down practice. And there were times when I took two days off period. Yeah. You know, before the first game, take two yeah. days off. Don't lift a weight. Don't run. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. And I'll Get see away on, from the game. I'll see you on Monday. Now, we always did yeah. that. So after yeah. – the, the starters never played in the fourth game, period. So that fourth game was always Friday or Saturday night, right? Usually Friday night, some Thursday yeah. night. And so they had three days. We didn't do anything, anything with the guys until Monday. And then we started on the first game of Monday. So really – in the old days, we'd have three days off period before you start your game prep. But we were scaling it back usually anyway. But, yeah. you know, um, I actually did in the fourth preseason game practice all the starters <laughs> the day of the game that morning um, because we needed to work. You know, it was a light practice, but we did. And the, and the players said that, you know, they, they can't go three or four days without, and, and rightfully so, they get sore. You know, they get lethargic. And so we practiced Friday morning, played Friday night. And those starters, you know, they they didn't uh, play in the game at all. But then they had Saturday and Sunday off and we were ready to go on Monday. Yeah. So, But the workload today is just so different, Ron. It just – it's almost um, – well, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's just not – I just – I don't know how good they are in terms of being physically in shape and ready to play you know, the contact part of it. No, you're right. You're right. Now they're, they're, they're really, uh, how do I say this? They've done all of this state of the art training in the off season with the, the, you know, the right trainers and this and that, and the right equipment and bands and balls and all this stuff. And, and so that's there, but I, I don't, I don't know, Mike, that a lot of the guys today really understand the game, the, the inside out of the game, the technique of the game. I think it's it's also numbers heavy. You know, if a guy makes a an over the shoulder one finger catch the second week of training camp, he he's a he's a social media hero, and that's <laughs> you know that then that that runs for my gosh, he's yeah. he's ready for the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. I, but anyway, that's that's a whole another subject. So, 
All right, so moving on here, we've got we've got a couple other really good ones, uh, and this next one is <laughs> is really good. Uh, the Bucks and the Saints. You've got Tom Brady in a new uniform with the Buccaneers heading to New Orleans. Ugh. You know, if if there were probably there was probably one place, one or two places in the NFL, I would not want to open up in. Uh, New Orleans would be one of them for sure, because that place can can get loud. But but this is COVID nineteen time, so you're not going to have the same kind of loud and intensity. And I actually think that is going to play into some people's hands a little differently this year. Uh, it, it was so, but talk to me about first of all the two quarterbacks, Brady Breeze. What do you expect? Well, I think there's still a, um, a get to know you period for Brady and the rest of those receivers, and I think they're it's going to take a little bit of time to get that you know worked out. It, it, they haven't had enough practice time to do all that stuff. I don't believe. Uh, and Breeze, you know, they're they're <laughs> they've been in it. You know, it's a continuation of extension of warm up and get ready to go. So I think they'll be at full tilt. I think it'd be really hard for Tampa Bay to beat them. Um, be, just because they're still going to be disjointed offensively. I, I like their one-two punch of running back. I think the signings down there on offense were really good. The other part of it is uh, it, we have to wait and see on the offensive line for Tampa Bay, just where they are and how, how well they'll hold up against, you know, that uh, reorganized uh, – underachieving New Orleans defense last year. There's some talent on that defense and they, they played okay last year, but they didn't, they're like 13th or whatever they were, but they should have been a top five, top 10 defense. And I think they will be. So I, I just think that they're going to go into a buzzsaw. It's not going to be pretty. I, I just, this one, as much as you like Tom Brady and as great as he is, uh, I don't know that he's got around him what he's going to need to take on this team, but we'll see. Yeah, right. And talking about the the one two, I guess it's a one two three punch with running backs. Now they brought in Leonard Fournette, so I, you know that that could work into the mix as well for Tampa Bay. Yeah, they've they've got some they've got some players on the team, but you're you're right. It's uh, you can you can do whatever you want in the off season, but in a new system, he still has some time. Uh, and some things to to understand. They've got to understand each other. So when when is that time, Mike? When when is that moment that you would expect it all to start clicking? Is it even this year? Oh yeah, is this something that goes into next year. Yeah, some th- there'll be some things happen in the first game or two, and yeah. that'll ignite them, and uh, they'll understand that the thing they can't duplicate or, and this is why we practice the way we did is the speed of the game. Um, you know, when they practice, those receivers run fast, but they don't run at game speed. You know, right. the defense, you know, they it just kind of the philosophy of how you practice. To me, if if guys weren't at game speed, it drove me nuts, and, and we were going to have to talk about it. Um, but as I watch guys practice, most people don't practice like that. That's how we practice for conditioning and other, you know, like we talked about. But I think the speed of the seven-on-seven seven stuff, when you take it to the game, it just jumps up a whole notch. Just like from going from preseason games to regular season to playoffs. It, and when you're new and everybody's kind of the timing is trying to get it all together and how you're going to handle blitzes. And the biggest issue for them is when you have a new quarterback and 
kind of a disjointed uh, offensive line, you're going to blitz them. You're going to yeah. blitz them. Find out if they have their protection squared away, if everybody's on the same page. So if I'm New Orleans, I'm going to absolutely go after a guy who's lost some foot speed in offensive line that you're, you're going to find out whether they're all on the same page right away. And if they if they block you and they, they complete it, great, but I'm going to make you prove uh, that you guys know what you're doing in the protections, and I think that's probably what they'll do. Yeah, be interesting to see what Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, and uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, be interesting to see how they handle this going into New Orleans. And New Orleans now, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. He had a, an epidural. I guess he's got a back issue, and it, it's apparently not just a minor. Ap- back issue when you're getting epidurals now that's that's pretty serious so uh, you and it's kind of surprising you usually don't see that in guys that that at this age and guys in that position because they have to do so much that just tweaks and torques but he's um it's just not real common for running backs early on in their career i don't think but he, he's got it going on so we'll see we'll uh, keep that monitored All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. So moving on, uh, Sunday night, the Cowboys and the Rams, and they'll open up out here in L.A. in the new stadium uh, again. I, it will it will be very sparsely filled, very sparsely under COVID nineteen rules. Uh, I'm sure teams are going to do the old what we're seeing on the NBA and, and MLB. You know they'll 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 put some kind of crowd noise in there, pipe it in, artificial noise and this and that. But the bottom line is Dallas seems like they're loaded up. They they've they've they're ready to go. We've been talking about this all off season. And there's no real home and field advantage for the Rams, so uh, you know this this feels like it's slanted toward the Cowboys' favor. But you never know. You, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta play the game, and the Rams have some changes, you know, in their coaching staff and so on and so forth. But this could be uh, this could be one sided easily. Well, they I think they elevated the new coordinator. Um, wasn't he an outside backer coach at Denver? Or- I don't know him uh, at all, and I think that they've lost some players on defense. So I just, you know, this is I, there's such a special feeling to me about the Cowboys right now because they're so yeah. talented. They have a kind of a breath of fresh air here in terms of whoever it is comes in. There's a big change like this, and he's got all this background as a head coach that's been very successful Super Bowls and great quarterbacks. And you add him to the mix with all this talent, you just got to feel good about where they are, particularly in offense. Defensively, if they can sure the back end up, I think it's a Super Bowl team. You heard it here. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think it's a Super Bowl team, but they've got to – they have to hold up in the back end 
you know, of course they didn't do that last year. And I just, I do think it'll be hard for the Rams. They're not a, a great come from behind team. They're not a two minute offense team that they never really have been. Right. Uh, I, I don't know how well they'll run the ball. They've always really relied on run the ball and then hard play action off that. They've got firepower outside. The quarterback's a good player. So I just think that uh, Dallas will beat them. Um, I, I do. I think Dallas will, you know, with the running back, he's got something to prove. The quarterback's got something to prove. You have a good team like that with terrific talent that's got something to prove. They're hard to beat. Yeah, that's Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator. He was the linebacker coach in uh, Denver last year, taking over. Right. Now for Wade Phillips, boy, that's your, that's a young kid replacing a whole lot of experience. So uh, I got to believe he'll be tested. They'll go after him, and we'll, we'll see what the Rams' new look running back situation uh, does offensively for him. So that'll, uh, that'll be an interesting game. Well, here's, here's the other part of that. You got a new defensive coordinator, a young guy. Yeah. So what's he going to do? Is he going to run what he did at Denver, or is he have something else he's going to run? So you don't really don't know because there's no preseason games. Yeah. So you don't know that. So so Dallas, you can go back and look at Mike's track record on offense and what he did offensively to have kind of an idea to get ready for them. Defensively, because it's a new uh, coordinator, Mike Nolan from New Orleans, you, you go back and you can look up Mike's history and what he ran and kind of have an idea. You don't know this defensive coordinator at the Rams what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You don't know what he's going to come out with because there's no information on anybody. This, and that's why the opener here with these, especially young guys that don't have anything on the books as a coordinator, you know, you, you, know, you just don't know what you're going to get, so you got to be prepared. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, lose, you lose Cooks and you've got a wide receiver and you've still got Cooper Cup. And you've got Robert Woods. But I think there's some questions there as well. Will this be the same receiving core? Will they still have the same kind of ability to stretch the field vertically and horizontally like, like they've done in the past? That's I think that's the biggest thing. issue for them, Ron, on offense is reestablishing their running game Yeah, and getting that. Because that's where he hangs his hat. That's what he's going to do because that makes everything go for them. The thing he does not want to do is get into the shotgun and start throwing the ball. They're not good at it. Their protections aren't geared towards that. They're not a two-minute offense in any way, shape, or form, you know, which is not good or bad. It's just it got them to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's great. But, you, you know, they had, the emphasis for them is they've got to absolutely establish a hard-nosed running game because that makes everything else that they do go. If they can't, They've lost people in defense. They've got a new, young, inexperienced coordinator. If they can't run the ball effective, uh, and now they've got to get in the shotgun and start throwing it, they've not been good at that. They've not held up in their protections with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Cam Akers, second-round pick. Uh, he, he could get a lot of action at running back. We'll see what happens there. So uh, let's move on to – the Cardinals and the 49ers, the 49ers, obviously, Super Bowl team didn't work out uh, quite like they wanted it to. But, you know, here we go, new season. And uh, Cardinals are one of those teams. Uh, <laughs> it, again, people in the media, certain people keep talking about how good they're going to be and the coach and this and that. OK, I got that. And they've, they've got they got a quarterback. I, I'm, I'm still not sold that he can 
take them to the promised land. But, you know, now they've got uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And so when you have a receiver and you got a quarterback, you, you got a chance. And it looks like defensively they play pretty well. Well, they're still playing the 49er defense, and which I think is probably the best defense in the league right now. So, yeah. And they've, they've got a tall order there. And I don't, yeah. you know, and like you said, when you practice the passing game against yourself, there's a, it's a different speed. And when you step out in that defense, now you're talking about offense, and that defense can run like they do, and they're as violent and physical. Those blitzes you've been practicing in a walkthrough when they're doing a full speed, yeah, it's a little different. You know, and they've got to hold up. Uh, I just don't see that happening. I just think that uh, the 49ers will smother them. Isn't it interesting how quick the, the uh, talk with about Robert Salah calmed down? And this man was on the verge of uh, getting a head coaching job, but then they have that bad series in the Super Bowl. They lose the game, and you really never heard from him since. Yeah, and I think too the you know the all the interview process had probably finalized in terms of who was going to get what, and I don't know how much he was in the mix at the at the very end. I don't know that he's really ready at this point. You know, yeah. maybe he felt he's not ready, and you know, Adam Gates at some point uh, he had to go through that developmental stage too that we all did, um, and you you just. And they're not ready to let him go. You know, he's doing a great job there, and he probably feels like he still has more to do. He's a young guy. He's got a lot left in the league yet as a coach. So, you know, it's here's what I know about being a head coach in the NFL. There's some good jobs, and there's some really bad jobs. And when I say that, there's some organizations that know they just, no matter what they do, they just can't win. They just not get, It's just not good enough. And I won't yeah. go into all the details, but the really good jobs are—they don't come along very often. And those are the jobs you want because that's where you're going to win, and give you a chance. And uh, you know, there's when they come up, you grab them. And you know, there's—I think uh, there's coaches that have turned down the, you know, the Cleveland job and some of these other jobs, and they just see it as you know, two years and out, and rightfully so. So I think maybe that had something to do with it with him too. I think he's being selective, and I think that's smart. Uh, and if you don't become a head coach, you don't become a head coach. But if you're going to become a head coach, go someplace where you got a chance to be a successful head coach. That's right. No, makes sense. Real quick, I'm looking at the 49ers depth chart, and I'm looking at the coaches. Kyle Shanahan, of course, a head coach. Now, offensive coordinator is also Kyle Shanahan. I don't see that with every other team, with every team, I should say. For instance, the Rams, they have listed a second or a separate offensive coordinator, but we know that Sean McVay calls the plays. So what's the difference here? Does does Kyle Shanahan just say, I don't need an offensive coordinator, period. I'm handling everything. What's the difference between the Rams and the 49ers in that thing is what I'm getting at. I didn't have a coordinator either for years, and I finally made Steve Fairchild coordinator. It's just a – I think the 49ers have a couple of quarterback coaches there. And uh, I think that's what you do. It's somebody to do the busy work and get things ready. And when I say busy work, I don't mean disrespectfully that they don't do anything else. But putting this, you know, getting the staff meetings on offense together, get them – you know, broken down. And so you don't have to be there for all that stuff. So you can go in for the game, final game plan. And you can get through that and then do scripts and all that. But 
the the tedious stuff, there has to be somebody who is basically a coordinator to do that. Now, whether they have the title or not doesn't make any difference. When I went to the Redskins with Norv Turner, you know, as a quarterback coach, he said, I don't have a coordinator. Basically, you'll you'll put everything together with the offensive staff and run the meetings and all that, and then I'll just I'll come in and do the game plan and we'll call the game. I said, that's fine. The only problem with that is he didn't tell the rest of the staff that. So I went in there and I started organizing stuff. They said, who's this guy? You know? <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if he uh, gave him a heads up on that yeah. just to protect yeah. you, right? Well, yeah, it, yeah. it was ugly. I promise you for yeah. about maybe close to a year there, it was ugly because they didn't they didn't know that that had happened and he neglected to tell them that. So, uh, Yeah, that has to be thought out a little differently. A little but, better. Hey. It would have it helped me a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the, the last three games here, the Dolphins, Pats, Jets, Bills, Browns, Ravens. You know, everyone's picking the the uh, Bills to win that division, <laughs> namely me. Uh, just with Tom Brady being out of there, I it probably won't be that easy because they still got a pretty good coach over there in New England. Uh, but a lot of question marks in that division, though. I think there is, but I do think that they are the most dominant because I think they're one of the best defenses in the league. They have to be a top, you know, five defense. And, and I think he's managed the game so well, and the quarterback can do so many different things, and they run the ball so well. They, they don't beat themselves. It sounds like the Patriots to some extent, you know. Uh, but you can't, you cannot because Brady's going to just say, well, the Patriots are done. That's not – you and I both know that's not the case. Yeah, right. I think it will be a battle between those two teams, but I do think Buffalo is about to take the torch. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, Dolphins, Pats, you know, it's all about uh, – well, it's not all about Cam Newton. There's there's other things involved. But since everyone's going to start with that, let's start with that. It's Cam Newton, his development there, how easily he fits into the system. And maybe he brings something special uh, to that system that Tom Brady couldn't bring to them. I don't know. Well, I think Tom Brady's personality was so overbearing for all those players. And if you didn't practice up to that standard, Peyton Manning was the same way when he's at Denver. If you don't practice up to that standard, you're going to hear about from Tom. But isn't that what they wanted, Mike? Isn't that what what Bill Belichick wants from his guy? Well, sure, because, I mean, he he could back it up. He had all the rings to back it up and the performances. Um, It's a little bit different here because I think that pressure – that everyday pressure on those players of that personality. Now it's it's just different. Now, uh, is that good? I don't know. We'll we'll find out. But I've never heard Belichick praise a player before. I, I just not the way he's come You're out right. on Cam Newton, hardest working guy on the team, and all those. It just it just kind of right. it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I just that's not Bill Belichick. So something's going on up there. Either they're going to be really good or. I don't know. I don't know. How to really, really. That. I just don't yeah. know how to interpret that. But do you think he's trying out. to? Do you think he's trying to sell Cam to the team? I don't know. I, that was my. That's where I was going with that. I just don't yeah. know. I don't see know. because remember now this isn't the Cam Newton coming in here that went to the Super Bowl a few years back. Okay, this this is now a Cam Newton who's fought through injuries who's fought through subpar performances because of the injuries and, and maybe a myriad of other things. So there may be the feeling there from Belichick that he's got to pump this guy up and sell him to the team a little bit. I, 
that I don't know. That's that's in the back of my head, but that's a possibility. Well, I think that's I think that's legit. I I just think he was a big fish in a little pond in Carolina. And now he's a little yeah. fish in the big pond up there at New England. So he's yeah. not that dominant. Just be, you know, with the all the dress and all the you know the interview stuff and and that he's not going to change with that. But when he goes up there, those guys in the locker room, they've got a bunch of rings in that locker room now. Yeah, he didn't have any. So right. you know, it, it has to affect him in the way that his focus and intensity is probably a little more serious, I would think. But yet his his kid that comes out in him all the time is still there. And I think they probably appreciate that about him. Yeah. Yeah. It brings a, a, a new type of uh, energy and new yeah, type of. Exactly. Energy is light. Water. Yeah. Yep. To the, uh, to the locker room. Browns Ravens. Uh, this is your guy, Baker Mayfield, uh, taking on Lamar Jackson and Lamar's the MVP, but he didn't like the way the season ended for him. I know that. And Baker Mayfield's still, still trying to prove he is an MVP. But Baker's not going to like that defense he's going to see either. So <laughs> they might be no. the most complete team right now of all the teams. They're really a good football team now. I just uh, – and I hope the Browns can get it done because you know how I feel about Mayfield. I think yeah. he's a real good player. and I just don't think they can. I just I think it's going to be a lopsided affair. Monday night we've got Pittsburgh at the Giants and Tennessee at Denver. Your thoughts on those two? Well, um, I think the Giants are struggling. We're going to find out. Uh, they're not very good on defense at all. Um, in fact, they may be the worst defense in the league. And, uh, you know, with the change of quarterback, um, this is going to be one of those, uh, what do they call them, rebuilding years, which is a worse term in all sports. But <laughs> I just don't know how they can uh, come out in the opener and be real effective. Yeah. Tennessee at Denver, I, I like Mike Vrabel. I think he, uh, he again. We talked about this before. He's in that that mold of former player now coaches like Peterson. Um, you know uh, who else? Uh, okay, uh, my guy Frank Reich down in Indianapolis. You know they they look at the game a little differently. It's not a it's not a prerequisite for for coaching, and it definitely not one for winning. You still have to be able to coach. But I like what I see so far from him, and I think his team's responded. I think he's one of my favorite coaches right now in the league. Um, I think he's, you know, coming out of that that whole New England thing. He's detail oriented. He understands exactly what it takes to win, uh, how to build a winner, and, but more importantly, he instills a toughness in his team that most teams in the league just don't have. Uh, they're a physical, physical, tough, competitive team, and they'll just get better. And that running game that they have. Uh, I think I'll probably end up being as good as there is in the league. I really do. Yeah. And defensively, they're always going to be good. I just, you know, I just think that they're a, a really one of those upcoming teams that uh, won't surprise everybody. But I think it, when it's all said and done, you know, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to absolutely battle to the end to beat these guys. I think they're going to be really, really good. Yeah, they they showed me some something there in uh in that run in the in the playoffs there. That uh, they they surprised some people. Well, and I think um, that's a mark of a really good team. You know, when when you play good during the season but you play better in the playoffs, you get it. You you get it. And this is early in his career now there and I think, you know, with that being said, I think you're going to take another step up. I really do. 
I just yeah. like how he does things. I like how he runs the team. I like their demeanor. I like how they play. Great leadership. Yep. All right. LeBron James set the stage talking about the greatest show on turf, and we ran with it. So we're going to see a lot of shows on turf this weekend, COVID-19 style, as the NFL 2020 season finally gets going. It starts off Thursday night, and we'll check out the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Houston Texans. Mike, another great show, man. Loved it. Thanks, Ron. Enjoyed uh, talking to you always. Now it's a lot more fun with the season coming up, right? <laughs> yeah, we get to uh, get into the X's and O's. You're pretty good there. Anybody ever tell you that? Yeah, no. <laughs> I've got a lot of opinions. I don't know how good they are, but I do have a lot of opinions. That's good. We'll take all opinions. They're free. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Talk to you later. Thanks, Ron. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or Coach Martz? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions and we'll break down Coach Martz's two-minute drill. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think of it. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.